Hello and welcome. Thank you for listening to Your Neighbor, a Priest, a podcast featuring commentary and theological reflection on local news and events in Southwest Washington and the larger themes that impact all of us as we wrestle with the challenges of life, and in particular American life, in the 21st century. I'm Father Nick Mather, Rector of St. Stephen's Episcopal Church in Longview, Washington. I am your neighbor, and I am a priest. following episode is a celebration for Pride Month. It features a short personal reflection on the role that the church must take in atoning for our previous sins, particularly with those who identify as LGBTQIA+, and also features a conversation with Pastor Megan Filer of Bethany Lutheran Church here in Longview, Washington, about her own experiences of Christianity and the call of the church to affirm the lives of all of our LGBTQIA siblings in Christ. Before I welcome Pastor Megan, I must note that this topic still remains a quote-unquote hot-button subject, even in more progressive mainline denominations like the Episcopal or Lutheran churches. But it's become increasingly clearer and clearer that love is love is love. And as Christians called to share the love of Christ, the unconditional love of God, that continuing to other, to reduce, to restrict our siblings in Christ because of who they choose to love or how they understand their gender identity is not only unacceptable, but it is unchristian. This is why we speak of affirmation in the church, affirming that one's life and value as a person is neither defined by their sexuality or gender identity, and that their sexuality and gender identity do not exclude them from the fullest expressions of love that are experienced in the life of the church, from baptism to Eucharist to marriage to ordination to death and resurrection of everlasting life in Jesus Christ. It's important that the church publicly expresses its support and celebration for Pride Month in particular to acknowledge this reality of equalness in the eyes of God, and also to atone for a history that has oppressed and persecuted those whom God has always loved. It has long been the tradition of the church to use scripture and tradition to other those in communities without power, to keep them without power, to persecute and homogenize the culture into one acceptable interpretation of what it means to be a follower of Christ. The main line has not always been at the forefront of these persecutions, but in many ways is at more blame for not speaking out against this corruption of Christianity, and perhaps even more damaging, silently supporting it through inaction because it wasn't culturally prudent to stand against. Whether it was explicit and implicit support of slavery, of segregation, of racism, of sexism, of homophobia, Christianity has been used as a shield to promote damaging and dangerous ideologies that have no basis in Christ or the faith that we purport to follow. But that was what the church held, either explicitly through action and public declarations, or implicitly through inaction and whispers under its breath. And, while much of these ideologies have fallen to the wayside, particularly as they are no longer culturally appropriate, even to this day, 
those in the LGBTQIA community, would not be blamed for being curious if the church is a place that can welcome them, especially when they have experiences of the church that cause deep wounds, destroying faith and trust. Well, today I say the church can, the church should, the church must be a place of not just welcome, but affirmation for all LGBTQIA plus siblings in Christ. But it is still not the reality throughout all of Christianity. And that is why it is important for those in traditions that have seen the perhaps irreparable damage that the sin of persecution has left. Speak up loud and proud, in full affirmation and support of all of our siblings in Christ who celebrate pride in their personhood this month. I'm excited today to welcome to the podcast Pastor Megan Filer of Bethany Lutheran Church here in Longview, Washington. And I want to make a note that as we begin our conversation, I think it's important that we acknowledge the fact that the LGBTQIA community is diverse. And in that diversity, no one person from within the community can or even should speak for the entire community. But it is certainly helpful to hear at least one person's particular experiences. And it's a particular note for this podcast that we have a local pastor who can share their experiences. Welcome, Megan. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here remotely with you. Yeah, definitely. I'm ever glad that we have the ability to, to keep meeting in this way and, and to produce uh, this podcast in a remote fashion, uh, <laughs> which was not the way I had initially thought it would be going, but it's great to be able to keep doing this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to just launch right into our conversation uh, with uh, my first kind of question or, or really asking you to share a bit about your own experiences. Um, so, you know, what is your experience with Christianity and what it means to, as a church and as a pastor, affirm those who identify as LGBTQIA+. Yeah, so um, so I'm pastor at Bethany in Longview, which I think you probably already said. But uh, one thing that's been a, an interesting thing for me around all of this is, so I grew up Lutheran. I'm still Lutheran. Um, but around the same time, because I personally identify as part of the LGBTQIA plus community, and around the time I was sort of discovering my identity also coincided around the same time that I was um, losing, not necessarily losing faith, but that I realized I didn't actually personally have faith. My faith story is one sort of similar to the prodigal son, but I um, I grew up in the Lutheran church and I grew up with a really wonderful congregation. And um, there were still some people in the congregation that in my own family systems that were not necessarily affirming of uh, the LGBTQIA plus community, but it was definitely, um, I didn't grow up with the same kind of uh, experience of church as an anti-gay place as a lot of my peers and a lot of people have. So I'm grateful for that gift. Um, 
And in some ways it was almost coincidental for me that um, I simultaneously realized that the church wasn't for me at the time um, before I sort of came into understanding my own identity. And to me, they weren't related things, just sort of circumstance. And um, it was interesting to me that I also didn't seem to come back to faith again until shortly after my denomination voted to affirm and welcome uh, those pastors and deacons and leaders who were in marriages that were same gender marriages uh, to continue in their um, ordination or consecration and leadership in congregations. It just so happened that the Holy Spirit called me back to faith, uh, I think three months after that vote happened. <laughs> and so um, for me, most of my life uh, being Christian and being for me bisexual was not, um, they weren't really related at all. And even um, it's been, years of sort of work around it because for me I was out in seminary because the congregation I I, grew, I came back to a congregation that was super affirming and welcoming and wonderful and so I so for me my sexuality didn't never came up as a potential um, block for me in my call to ministry and I uh, was out in seminary, co-president of the LGBTQ plus group on campus. And then I got married. I fell in love with my spouse. And after dating and going through all of that, we got married just before I left for internship. And my spouse is a man. And so suddenly I was moving into a new church setting. And I uh, appeared to be straight for all intents and purposes. And um, the congregation I was on internship at was incredibly welcoming. And they had uh, queer people who were in leadership in the church and who were worship leaders. And um, But they were a church that sort of went with the all are welcome so we don't talk about our differences thing which you know it just happens a lot and yeah yeah and the big uh like the, I, I absolutely adored the senior pastor at the time who was my supervisor but i never told him because he was a very big uh proponent of he really loved uh, Galatians 328 uh, there is no Jew there is no Greek there is no male no, no female we're all one in Christ which is a beautiful message of inclusion but it's basically it was sort of being used as, as the um, the typical what we, we hear a lot of um, white people say I don't see color it was kind of like I don't see difference and one of the things we know when people say that is what you're telling people who have differences is, is that their differences don't matter to you and you don't see them. And so um, I remember like it was such a welcoming place. They even had a LGBTQ and plus and friends like luncheon sort of like community group as part of the church. And we're there and I'm, you know, there with my husband who came for the lunch and um we're all sitting around tables and they're, they're doing introductions 
and they go around and everyone is sort of um, outing themselves by their spouse. So it's, you know, hi, I'm John and this is my husband, John. And, you know, oh, I'm Susie and this is my husband, James. And we're here because our daughter is gay. But no one is standing up and saying, I'm here because I'm bisexual. And it comes around to me. And here I am, new in the church in this particular setting and newly married. And um, no one had given me the tools to understand why my identity mattered if I wasn't single, if I wasn't dating. And, um, and I didn't want to be the, you know, stereotypical cliche that people put out and um, misnomer around bisexual people. I don't want to seem attention seeking or any of that. So I just said, oh, hi, I'm Megan. I'm the new intern here. Hello. And kind of left it at that. And suddenly after, um, you know, 10 years of being out, I was in the closet and I didn't even really know how to deal with it, but it kind of came from uh, being in a space that was uh, claiming to be welcoming, but didn't seem to know how to welcome me without me having to feel really uncomfortable with um, having to name something that it's, I think it's a lot like um, why we share our pronouns, why often when you come into meetings or you have events with name tags, people are often invited to write your, your pronouns down. So that way the person whose pronouns um, might not be quote unquote obvious to you doesn't have to tell you overtly, but that everyone is already sort of sharing this. And um, I feel like it's a lot similar to that for me. Um, yeah. And so then church-wise, I moved, I got called here at Bethany in Longview and I didn't really know where um, our congregation stood around this stuff. And I still like, this was almost four years ago now. And I had only just begun to start reading more um, like queer theology and uh, LGBTQ plus writers trying to just figure out like, does it matter? Why does it matter? Like that I talk about this part of my experience and this part of my identity. And so um, it wasn't until uh, shortly after my <clears throat> dad passed away in uh, September 2018 that I started to really be um, pulled down and, and like my mental health was really beginning to suffer from being in the closet. And at the same time, my congregation is wanting to to work towards being more overtly welcoming and we're starting to have conversations about um, how do we help people to know that we're a safe place? And there is still some of the, uh, well, all are welcome. Do we really need to talk about it stuff? But um, the general overall theme I was getting from my church folks was like, no, everyone should be welcome here. We want to, to lift that up. And then um, I started looking at the text, I think it was May of last year. So um, a couple weeks before now, a year ago, I started looking at the upcoming text for June and that Galatians 3.28 was coming up 
alongside um, the Gerasene demoniac. And somehow, like, the Holy Spirit just, she hit me upside the head and said, this is the time, this is the place. And then at the same time, I was checking in with my family, and um, I had never come out to my dad because of just family systems issues and stuff, but um, we were at a memorial event for him in Ohio that month, and I was talking to my sisters about that, and I was like, yeah, you know, I really regret never telling dad and my youngest sister, um, who's so sweet, she was just like, you know, I'm really, really sorry. I know you're not supposed to do this, but I was younger and I didn't know. But I actually told dad. Dad knew. And I was like, oh, wh- what? And I, like, started tearing up. And she was like, yeah, he like he was just super great about it. And um, he, that previous summer before he died had come down and we were talking about some um, work around LGBTQ inclusion. And he had been like super adamant about like being welcoming and being like equal for all people, which was surprising to me at the time. But now looking back, it was one of those moments of, oh, he, this was his way of trying to like let me know that he was um, a safe person and that he affirmed me without being like, well, your sister told me the truth. (laughs) And um, that same feeling that I had knowing my dad knew who I was and loved me and supported me was the same feeling I had about what happened with my congregation. And so the Sunday came up with that text and I preached and I preached about the way in which Galatians 3.28 in some ways is beautiful and helpful and a wonderful reminder that we're all one in Christ and the way that it made me feel invisible, like the garrison demoniac was invisible in his own community. And um, I cried, most of my people cried, and the amount of love and um, support and affirmation from my congregation was probably the first time in my entire life I had felt completely seen by a church and completely loved by a church Hmm. and I just want to bottle that and share it with everybody because I think that everyone should have that same sense of being known and seen and absolutely loved because that's what the church is supposed to do because that's how God loves us and so um so that's sort of a long version of my experience but (laughs) You know, it's 30 years in the making, so getting it down to right. 10 minutes isn't too bad. <laughs> no, I, I think that's uh, a beautiful uh, story of, of how, particularly of how affirmation is. Yeah. It's more than just being welcoming, but it's truly affirming and seeing the person for who they are. Um, I love the story about your dad without explicitly saying anything being very clear and adamant in a way that made it clear that you were safe with him even if that was unexpected yeah um i I wonder if if even the church could just get to that level we'd be doing so much more good than we even are doing piecemeal as it is yeah yeah i do think that it's definitely um it's because it, I think there's a big difference between welcome and affirmation. And I, yeah, so I think that 
one of the big things around affirmation and welcome is, as I was saying, like basically uh, there are lots of churches that are, that say they're welcoming, right? Lots of churches say all are welcome and lots of churches really want to mean it. And it's sometimes that even the congregations themselves don't realize that there is sort of this um, often unspoken understanding that like, yes, you're welcome to worship with us. Yes, you're welcome to give, but like, oh, like you want to teach Sunday school? I don't think so. You want to lead or do readings? Mm, no. And like, I think that's like, that's becoming a more normal thing in a lot of congregations in our country of sort of uh, the switch, like the switch and bait sort of thing with um, LGBTQ plus people is, yeah, come and, and come here and be with us, um, but not actually be part of us. And um, I think doing the affirmation work creates um, a sense of safety and also a real sense of belonging, which I think is part of what the church is meant to be. And so. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I, I think to, um, and it's something I mentioned earlier in this, this podcast episode is this fact that, you know, the church has uh, either explicitly or implicitly supported not being affirming right. or even not being welcoming. Um, and so we can't just flip a switch and go from not doing those things to just being affirming and not acknowledge the fact that we haven't always done that. And we've created a lack of trust and a lack of um, or created a, a Hmm, that's what I'm going for. I think that, like, oh, just, just gonna stick yeah, well, and I think you could even <laughs> name it as, like, it's wounded people, right? People are mm -hmm. wounded by the church. Yeah. Um, the LGBTQIA plus community, especially, but, like, there are so many people who live their lives wounded by churches and by church people. And I think that, yeah. um, you know, it's when people are hurt, uh, those those wounds can't heal if the person that hurts them is just, you know, pretending like it's all fine and better now without actually talking about what happened and talking about the real ways that there's work being done so it doesn't happen again. And so I think that's a really big part of it as well. Yeah, we can't. Uh, in classic church fashion, we can't just sweep our past sins under the rug, right. as it were. So then, what what does it look like to rebuild that trust? How do we how do we go about engaging in that work? Um, well, what I will say is, um, Reconciling Works is an organization that works with many different denominations. Um, both of our denominations, I believe, actually have some kind of program through Reconciling Works for. But um, they do a lot of the really good sort of training and education and like walking with congregations along this path of how do we um, how do we become an actually welcoming and affirming space? And one of the biggest things is just putting a rainbow on your door isn't going to do it. <laughs> and because... Yes. There's also, I mean, there's so much um, sort of, you know, patriarchal and heteronormative just 
inside language that our congregations use and do that we don't even really notice or think about because it's so just part of our every day. Um, and I, and what I appreciate is organizations like Reconciling Works that help to kind of like give resources to guide congregations to, to see some of those things and also to work towards like, well, what does it mean for us to really welcome all people? Um, and particularly people of different sexual orientations and gender identities, but also just, you know, anybody who's been wounded and hurt by the church. Um, because I think that all of, like once you begin to work towards um, rebuilding that trust with one sort of ostracized community, you find that there are a lot more people who are where those intersections are where, oh, well, it's not just people from the LGBTQIA community, but also like people of color and particularly people of color from the LGBTQIA community and like the way those intersections all work. And so I think some of the biggest beginnings is to educate ourselves, to educate, like for our congregations to educate themselves without having to go find a queer person to ask the questions to, because, you know, one person, like the LGBTQIA plus community is incredibly diverse. And one person is not going to have the same story or experience or needs either. And so that's why there are organizations and resources that are being put out for churches to, to do the work themselves before inviting someone in that could be harmed by their um, hesitancy to really do some of the work around this. Yeah, yeah definitely. So as we look uh, at where we are today towards the future of where we want to be, what does it look like and what, what is the importance of having affirming churches in this community of Longview and Kalatsky and do they need to do in the wider community uh, to, to spread this message that there are churches out there that are not just welcoming, but affirming? Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think that one of the biggest things with our community is um, Cowlitz County, County is a little bit more rural, a little bit more suburban. And so I think that a lot of people um, aren't even really aware of the large and growing LGBTQIA plus community that is here. Um, and it's been, I'm, I'm disappointed this year, um, like many of us uh, that are, Longview Pride is canceled, but I also am very grateful for the wisdom around that decision and looking forward to the ways in which there'll be some connections online. Um, but I just think that the reality is our community is filled with um, people who are loved by God, who are children of God, who are being told by churches in this community that who they are is not acceptable. And that breaks my heart. And I think that um, in like looking towards the future, my, my hope is that there are more congregations that will move away from that sort of um, broken understanding of God's love for God's children, but also like moving towards welcome and then my hope is towards affirmation um because i think that for the mental emotional and spiritual health of our community we need it and 
I think that that um, is really, you know, obvious and plain to see um, for anybody who's done any kind of uh, counseling work for youth in our community. And um, I just think my, my hope would be to be able to have churches that are able to actually, um, you know, ha- like go through the work to be more than just, oh, you know, everyone's safe here, but, um, you know, I, there's always the experience of like, you know, a couple comes in and they're constantly asked if they're siblings. Well, that doesn't really make them feel super safe. (laughs) um, But part of that is like being able to do some of the work around it. And, um, and so I guess um, what affirming churches can do in this kind of, because we do have several now, which is a huge blessing. And um, even just, I went to the, some of the pride planning meetings last year before I came out. So I was there just as one of the pastors from the group that, tables at Longview Pride and to hear some of the joy and excitement from the um, leaders of that planning committee who are not religious folks. They're not part of a Christian community themselves, but just how thankful they are that there are Christian communities that are here and that want to just share love within this community, I think um, is a really sort of bright shining star of hope (laughs) in all of this. But I I think that doing stuff like tabling at Pride and um, and reaching out to in Cowlitz to Reigns and finding out how we can help with advocacy and to provide safe spaces for um, LGBTQIA plus youth and adults in this community, I think are some really huge ways that our congregations can begin working towards um, rebuilding some of that trust, but also towards a future where are, are like I think that no matter what there's going to be people who will always be suspicious of churches in this community and um and in general <laughs> but I think that there there is the ability to potentially rebuild some relationship um even and that relationship might not look like people coming in the doors and sitting in the pews and paying tithes but it might look like actually right. uh you know the kingdom of God and actually God's love at work in the midst of our community, which I think is a hopeful, a hopeful future to look forward to, too. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen to all of that. Thank you for joining me today for Your Neighbor, a Priest. Join me next time for a personal reflection on taking Sabbath. What does it mean to prioritize and value rest for your soul? That episode will premiere on June 15th. Until then, stay home, stay healthy, be well, and God's peace and love be with you all.